everybody. This is Keith Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast. And this week, I am up in Toronto, Ontario, where my daughter lives, a visiting. And I thought I would come into and check out. They have a school of rock here, like an actual school of rock. And with me right here is Graham Unstead, the general manager of the School of Rock here. How's it going? It's great. It's nice to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thanks for having me in here. This place is awesome. I mean, it's so inspiring to walk in here and see guitars and drums and drum rooms and guitar and vocal booths and stuff. It's just like the, it's even better than a recording studio because it's got so many toys. Yeah, that's something that uh, plays to our advantage when people come through the door for sure is uh, there is a lot of stuff to look at in terms of right. musical equipment. A lot of inspiration. There's posters on the wall. There's T-shirts. And I gotta get I gotta get one of the School of Rock. Uh, you have a hoodie on that says School of Rock. We can we can hook you up. I think we got some in stock. Oh, that is so awesome! I want one so bad. Um, so uh, the School of Rock. Um, everybody knows that uh, there was a movie called School of Rock. And now, what I think that some people don't know about this is that the School of Rock was actually a thing before the movie. There was actually a what was it called? Uh, uh, I think it was Paul Green's School of Rock Music was was the name of the original school. And yeah, it was around in, uh, I think it was Philadelphia before um, the movie was actually released. So we're not really uh, sure if the movie was exactly based on that school particularly, but uh, we do uh, know that that school, uh, it really took off after the movie came out. And uh, yeah, the movie definitely espouses a lot of the beliefs that we have as a company in terms of just getting kids into a band, you yeah. know, getting them playing some classic rock songs and just getting them into, you know, the the whole community of learning music and, uh, you know, giving them an opportunity to share that with other people and to experience it with other people. Yeah, I always think of it as like... Um, you know, like the things they don't teach you in band, like, and, and you take it from there, you know, like in band, they teach you kind of how to read music and some basics and you learn an instrument, like a band instrument. Maybe you may learn drums or something like that. But the fact that you can come here and learn like rock music, like stuff that they don't teach you in band, like how to, uh, how to play walk this way and how to play in a band on stage. And you say also, I think I read somewhere where it's more performance learning, performance based, which yeah. I don't think they teach you in band. They don't teach you how to, put on a show you know they teach you how to play but here it's more performance right yeah absolutely and you know in band you might uh for my high school band days at least you'll wind up in a competition every so often so you uh they kind of do you know put you uh, put your skills to test and uh put you in sort of that scenario but it's not the same right when you're doing an examination or you're doing a recital or something of that nature, you're, you're not really getting the same feeling of it, uh, as doing a performance. Yeah. And yeah, that's what we're all about is, uh, the work that these students do with the band programs that we get them into always culminates in a performance every three to four months. Yeah. And we like to make it as rock and roll as possible. Uh, you know, it's particularly here in Toronto, there's a couple places that we rent that are, you know, legitimate rock and roll venues that have been around for years and years and years. There's one called the opera house where, you know, most of the grunge bands you can imagine that came out of the Seattle scene in the early nineties wow. played there before wow. they started blowing up even bigger. So it's got a good PA and it's got, you know, yeah. lights and stuff like that. So yeah. they really feel like they're these kids. And how young are some of the kids that, that come here? You mentioned something about a five or six year old uh, student that you had. 
So there, there's group programs for five or six-year-olds. That's more just kind of getting them into exploring and giving them an opportunity to try different instruments. The performance end of things, they generally get started with it when they're closer to the age of uh, seven or eight years old, depending on the student. Um, and then as they get a little bit older and as they start to progress in their skill, that's when we get them into one of the band programs where we're giving them the opportunity to go to one of these big stages and perform form for you know a decently sized audience of a couple hundred uh family and friends yeah um and uh yeah the the younger bands they generally just perform at the school so it's a also a nice kind of thing for them to to see that they get an opportunity to be on these larger stages as long as they they keep at it and they yeah. they keep working on their craft now i have a question um so a student comes to the school of rock they sign up they take possibly private lessons to like a one-on-one like with a teacher um and then at some point you put them with a group i mean does that happen right away or does that have to have to work up to that or do you try to put combinations of students together to try and play together how does that work so we like to get the students involved right away even if they're total beginners even if they've just come in and they've only had like one trial lesson or one full lesson especially if they display that it's something that they're going to be able to to get through with relative ease because as sure or as i'm sure you know you know for it's it's not as easy for everybody some people have stage fright issues and exactly and you know some people uh in terms of maybe it's really easy for them to play guitar or to play piano but then they try playing drums and it's really difficult for them because of the the independent limb movement or something about it is tricky for that particular person. Uh, and, you know, guitar is a very unforgiving instrument with a very steep learning curve. So it can be really difficult to, to get yourself somewhere where you're even just playing something that vaguely resembles a song yeah. on that instrument. But we really believe if you get them involved in this environment where they're with other kids right away, they excel so much quicker uh, just because or for multiple reasons not only are they having more fun with it because they're getting to share it with other kids and they're getting to see other kids their age who are they're doing it like you know we'll put beginners in a group with kids who have been playing for a couple of years and uh they'll get to see oh here's someone who's maybe even younger than me like I'm 14 here's a 13 year old and this guy's already playing Eddie Van Halen uh, yeah. you know why is it so you know hard yeah. for me to do it then if I'm already seeing somebody do it um so it's just all about encouragement and getting them into that right away to to just really watch them uh, take it and 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 roll with it. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how much progress we'll see in like three months with a beginner. So uh, they start out as a beginner. How do they? Um, I'm trying to figure out how. I'm trying to imagine a, a a child coming in here working with like a bass guitar or something like that with a teacher and they hear somebody rehearsing in another room and they're like, I want to play in that band. Do they have to try out for it? Do they just come in and meet them and they say, hey, come in and sit in? How does that work? So we've we've developed a little bit of a process. Uh, there's a bunch of schools, you know, in the in the system of over 300 schools that use this process at this point. Um Rather than getting them to audition, because what well, we have a band that they can audition for, we have a house band, which is like a band of of kids who 
who have to audition for that opportunity. But for the regular band program, it's more we just let them know with some advance notice what's going to be on the table for an upcoming session. So for instance, right now we have a performance coming up in January. And then after the performance in January, we're going to be starting up new band programs after that show. So in advance of that, we'll tell the kids, we're going to be doing Van Halen on this day. We're going to be doing uh, ACDC on this day. We're going to be doing 90s R&B on this day. We're going to be doing Southern Rock on Fridays. So we kind of lay out everything for them. And we get them to let us know. We get them to submit a form where they're telling us what their, you know, first pick of show would be, what their second pick of show I would see. be, so okay. we can gauge their interest. And then also we'll look of it because or look at it, sorry, because if we have a student who has been playing guitar for two months and they want to join a Van Halen show, we should think about that for a second. Is that <laughs> right. really, you know, the rhythm parts, maybe they'll get a couple of them down, but it's it's pretty complex stuff. Um, I see. So there's the, a little bit of testing and sort of uh, working your way up to it and maybe just kind of just seeing if they if they fit, you know, kind of thing, trying yeah, out. Yeah, it's more just working within the community of instructors and show directors that we have here and talking about you know, what we believe is going to be the best fit for the student. That's part of it as well. They'll tell us what their first pick is, but if their teacher is like, that's, you know, there's no way you should be playing super tramp because you've only been playing keyboards for, for like four months and you're still learning how to play a major and a minor chord, but we can steer them towards something else. We can say here, how about we get you doing uh, this modern indie rock show? Because there's yeah. a lot of stuff that just has like synth pads where basically, you know, you're just holding down a chord for yeah. a few bars at a time. And that's something that's more manageable for you. Uh, oops, sorry. So that's what we uh, that's what we try and do is give them the opportunity to be involved regardless of their level of experience by having all these different genres to offer it and by doing that very specifically, you know, having, you know, being aware that we'll have beginner keyboard students who want to be in a band program. So finding a way that we can have parts that they're going to be able to achieve within a small frame. You try to, at the best of your ability here, you try to put a little group together of, of kids uh, and, and keep them together, right? They, you don't move them around. They just basically, you're in a band here at the School of Rock and you're, you've been accepted into this band. You practice as a band and you stay in that band until you perform live on stage. Is that kind of the way it goes? Exactly. That's exactly correct. So uh, right now we're doing um, a bunch of different bands. We've got eight senior performance programs we're running at this time, so it's hard to keep track of all of them. But uh, we're doing The Who, <clears throat> excuse, me, excuse me, The Who, and uh, Canadian Legends on Mondays. On Tuesdays, we're doing Elton John and Billy Joel. Uh, on Wednesdays, oh, I'm having a brain fart right now. Uh, <laughs> anyways, there's there's tons of different options throughout the week. And yeah, the kids in each respective band will be in that band, as you said, up until the performance. And then we, before the performance uh, happens, we'll let them know, oh, once you're done your show, this is the band that you're going to be in for the next run of things. Oh wow! Okay, wow. Yeah, well, so it's always switching up every. I can every almost imagine months. here uh, a, a couple of musicians sort of hanging out and practicing, and saying somebody saying, "I want to be in a band with that guy." You know, I mean, that's got to happen. You know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's what another thing that's great about uh, this place and about School of Rock in general, and uh, the way that it's so much more community based than your average music school is you'll have these kids who 
uh, are are great players and they will see another kid who is a great player because they've you know been working really hard at it and they're they'll say yeah like I I want to make sure that whatever band I get into next session like we we really want to try and get together it's not always something we can facilitate because sometimes we'll uh, think as educators you know uh you know maybe this is a little bit of a better fit for you though I because see, yeah. this is really going to push you in these ways that we feel you should improve in are they encouraged wise. to jam with each other can can they do that if outside of their perspective band that they're in yeah absolutely uh it's not something that we have as much room for here anymore unfortunately just because we've been so crazily busy but uh i for instance run an open jam once a month that's an all-ages jam that's just down the road from here at uh a small microbrewery uh the doubles is a pizzeria they've also got some amazing pizza um that uh a friend of mine makes there. Uh, but yeah, it gives them an opportunity to to get out there. We have a lot of the students who especially uh, play in our house band, which is the band that they audition for. They'll typically always come out to the jam and, you know, get up and do stuff that, that they want to do. That and these are the adults on. you're talking about that sign up for the course, right? No, no, no. no these kids? are teenagers. Oh, at, a, at a brewery? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's an all ages. <laughs> okay. It's I all see. ages. You know, there's board games in their shuffleboard and there's, you know, there's pop see, yeah. and soda as well. There's not just beer. I, I was, when you said microbrewery, I wasn't imagining like, uh, you know, 10 year old kids running around yeah. jamming and playing and but yeah that sounds really cool yeah it's uh i can understand why you wouldn't think as such but they've got a great little venue space set up and um and everybody here at the school knows about it right and they frequent it yeah well um i'm trying to get the word out about it more and trying to yeah. get more parents out there but it is growing we've been doing it for a few years now and of course you know covid put a slump in things we weren't right. able to run it for a few years but yeah the community is growing and i'm getting more and more people who are coming out from the school who aren't you know just part of the the uh you know auditioned band who are kind of a little more in the yeah. know i suppose how did you guys get through COVID? did you do like zoom stuff did you still continue with some lessons and Yep, yep. We pivoted to online pretty quickly uh, after everything shut down. I think it was only a couple weeks. Uh, the company as a whole was very, very good that way. They really, really immediately put their noses to the grindstone, and they put out a lot of resources for for schools to use. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of tips and a lot of help to get everyone set up. We, of course, did lose a very, uh, you know, significant portion of the students that we had at the time, but we were able to, to keep people around and we were able to, to, you know, keep, keep, keep things going keep, just keep online. Your head above water, right? As it were. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, up here we were in a quite an interesting situation in terms of, we had several lockdowns and several times where, you know, things would open up and then they'd shut back down. They'd open up and they'd shut back down. So it was tricky. We would start running band programs again uh, and then we would, you know, have to stop them or we would be able to run them, but we would have to run them with very severe limitations. Like uh, for we have three rehearsal rooms here and for a while we had to split all the students among the three rehearsal rooms, made sure they were all socially distanced. Right, we put drum shields in front of vocalists so yeah. that there was like an extra layer of shielding there and followed every single, you know, uh, local safety precaution to the T to make sure that we could get them back in here. But yeah, it was, it was tricky. And I'm very, very happy that uh, we are on the other end of things that way now. And we have people in here uh, every yeah. day for band rehearsals. So we were talking earlier and, 
I don't know if we mentioned it in the podcast already, but there are over 300 schools in United States and Canada with over over 55,000 students. Is that right? Yeah. I know we were mentioning that earlier, but I don't know if we mentioned it here. It's more than uh, just North America now, too. It's international. There's schools in Chile. There's schools in Mexico. There's schools in Australia, in uh, Ireland, um, I think Spain now, too. It's, It's crazy. It's growing all the time and it's cool to be part of uh, a network and to know that uh, you know all these people in all these schools are doing the same thing we're all just getting kids into bands trying to get them into rock music and just you know keep uh, the love of rock and roll alive for another few generations um in a little while i'm going to ask you to tell maybe some stories about uh about kids that have come in with maybe like mental problems or with uh, uh um maybe some um stage fright problems or social problems and how it opened their opened up their kind of got them out of their shell you know yeah i'm sure that's happened so many times i want to hear some stories about that absolutely but i wanted to ask about uh now you teach here at the school i mean the school teaches performing and songwriting and i thought that was really cool how do you teach songwriting i mean obviously they, they have to know a couple of chords you know to start it but do you like say if a given student comes in and he's learning how to play some chords and things like that do you and if they're interested in writing, do you also incorporate that or do you wait until they get to a certain point and then you say, let's talk about writing if they're interested in it? If any student expresses an interest in it, uh, you know, it's something that will get started with them right away. If it's something that they want to do, it's like any other skill, musical skill or any other skill in general, right? As soon as you start practicing it, the sooner that you're going to get better at it. Of so course, yeah. With it's a song- muscle like anything else, right? Yeah. Uh, so if they are expressing an interest, especially, it's something that we will get them into right away. And yeah, just kind of give them some building blocks in terms of understanding the, you know, the major chord family and understanding what a progression is and, you know, giving them examples of that. That's a big thing around here with everything that we do, not just the songwriting program, but the band program, especially and how we approach musical theory is we take songs as examples and we break them down and explain what's going on in terms of the theory components. Right. Um, like there's an intro and then there's like a first verse and then that might lead into a chorus and then there's a bridge and understanding how to build a song and how to understand a song. Yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, starting with that is the basics and even going beyond that being like, Oh, this is an example of the mixolydian mode, uh, you know, that this person (laughs) is using in this song. And that's why it gives this guitar solo that you're listening to this kind of specific, sound or this specific like flavor that it has uh you know that's different from other things that you've heard like if a student's saying why why is that solo sound so weird like versus this just traditional pentatonic blues stuff that i'm doing we can say oh they you know yeah here here's why and it's just yeah giving them that knowledge and like i said tying it back to the songs that's a that's a big thing here um and that's really the way that we approach teaching musical theory is rather than telling a student when they first come in, oh, you're going to learn the pentatonic scale. You know, an eight-year-old, when you, as soon as you start <laughs> saying the word pentatonic, yeah, they're like, what are, you, uh, what are you talking about? This sounds foreign and scary to me and uh, <laughs> sounds very complicated. Yeah. But if you just show them the opening riff from Back in Black and you're like, okay, work, yeah. on, work on that. And then they work on it for a few weeks and now they're coming back, they're playing Back in Black and they're loving it. And then you say, by the way, Here's what Angus Young is doing. Yeah. He's doing this thing called the pentatonic scale. That's what that do 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 do. That's yeah. what you're doing. And 
by the way, here, what if we move it up to here? And now you're playing Chuck Berry. Yeah. Now you're playing Johnny B. Good. And it's the same scale. It's the same pattern. You just moved it to a different place. Yeah. And here it is in Pink Floyd. Here's David Gilmore using it. Yeah. Uh, so that's really the way that we do everything here is yeah. get them into playing, get them into the songs, and then make sure you're explaining to them this is the way that they built it. This is what Stevie Wonder did to yeah. make Superstition. Right. This is the keys in. This is the scales he's using. This is how he crafted his vocal melody. You know, this is what he's doing with the drums. So that's yeah. that's what it's all about. Do you enjoy, uh, obviously, I think any teacher would enjoy, uh, but my favorite part is being a teacher sometimes is that spark, that when you explain something to a kid and you get that aha moment. That like, oh, right. Okay, I get it. That's And they get inspired. And that sort of, isn't that great about teaching, that spark? It, it really is. It's one of my favorite things about teaching. It's uh, one of the things that you makes You see the this... headlights go on, right? Yeah. Uh, anytime you can do that for a student of music, it's something that is incredible. Because I really think when you do have that aha moment and when you really, you have those breakthroughs with them, yeah. especially for a young kid, that's what really shows them, oh, like I can, I can do this. Not only can I do this, I am doing this. You know, I'm already playing and I'm doing this stuff. So what's to stop me from joining this band program that they're probably already in or what's to stop me from going out and starting my own band right and we encourage the kids to do that too if you want to go start a band with high school people go do it for it find them uh and you know that's something you know going back to why i love school of rock in general uh and why i love this whole business model is it's hard for kids to find other kids to play with nowadays, right? Yeah. Rock and roll's not pop music anymore. It hasn't been for a while. It's coming, it's having a resurgence. I heard a statistic recently that young people are consuming more older music, like classic music now sure. than ever before in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, young people are generally always consuming modern what's coming next. But now a lot of teenagers, a lot of young teens are going back and they're listening like Fleetwood Mac. And they're, you know, that's what the they're yeah. actually, you know, buying and what they're what they're streaming on Spotify or yeah. whatever. And is I'm sure there. you teach here at the school, you teach the, the difference between what the way those records were made back then and the way things are kind of homogenized now you know back then you know people like Fleetwood Mac would camp out in the studio for months and months because they the money was there they had a record label that uh, funded the whole thing or or they owned their own studio or whatever and they would spend time on it and that's how those records got good nowadays it's like hey you're gonna have the record done in two weeks right you know Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, it's nice when you do see the bands who are able to to kind of do it in the in the old traditional ways. But yeah, uh, yeah it's it's something that we definitely uh, make sure that they're aware of around here and make sure that they appreciate the fact that you know this this music that you are performing and that you're learning. You know, the reason why it's so special, uh, I feel like at least, is, yeah, it was it was just developed over a course of time by this group of individuals who really got to live in that atmosphere and live in that music yeah. rather than, yeah, like you said, it's kind of just like getting get out at this point. There's yeah. like, oh, you were supposed to get me the drum tracks, uh, you know, uh, six <laughs> days ago and you're not even in the studio anymore. You're recording them at home and you're sending them to somebody. Yeah. Uh, kind of takes the soul out of it a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. I uh, having experience with both. I definitely prefer being in the studio yeah. and taking at least you know a couple days to to 
you know, work on something yeah. and really enjoy the process of it. I mean, could you imagine back in those days that the individuality of each player and how, like, if the in the Who, if it was a different drummer besides Keith Moon that played, it wouldn't, you know, think of how different that music would be. Or if it, uh, Queen, if it wasn't Brian May playing the guitar, what if it be some other guy? That music wouldn't be anywhere near what it is, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that it was crazy? A, it was a magical combination yeah. of all of those people who came together to make it, absolutely. And uh, that's why I think a lot of those bands, you know, they're quite conflicted when somebody goes in terms of, are we going to keep doing this? Or are we, we going to shelf it? Because when you do lose one of those essential components, it's something that's really hard to to bring back that original feeling. Um even if the fans will accept it, even if the fans are gracious with it, uh, you know, it's still, it's tricky, you know, yeah. you, you lose that mojo. Yeah. It seems like music nowadays has kind of gotten a little bit disposable. Um, is that a good, is that, a, is that an understandable, understandable word to you? If I say music has gotten disposable, people are kind of like, eh, it's okay, you know, and throw away kind of like, yeah, I got this new album and I listened to it once. And, but whereas before in the day when we would buy a record and we would read the liner notes and we would listen to it on a vinyl, you know, for hours and hours. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree. I think it's the way that it's marketed now, unfortunately, because it's marketed in a way that makes sense to the way that people consume everything else. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. We're in the Amazon age. Everything is just like quick, quick, quick. You TVs want... are kind of in and out the door all the time. Yeah. Next biggest TV, whatever. Exactly. And that's what, yeah, that's the way people consume technology too. Next iPhone is out and even though you have the previous iPhone, which is going to be a perfectly good phone for probably the next 10, 15 years, you still need yeah. to get the new iPhone. And right. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of, it's sad that that's the way that things are, are being sold to us musically at this point, uh, at least in the mainstream. But I think one of the nice things is there is still so much stuff that's going on on an independent level or on a level right. that's like just below the like big four stuff that's being turned out. I totally agree. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. And that's a, I have this conversation with people pretty frequently where it's like, you know, rock and roll started as counter uh, counterculture music that your parents didn't really want you to listen to. And it was sort of, it was, it wasn't something you were supposed to do. And that's why it was so cool. And then it was, you know, huge for years and years and years. And now it's not necessarily something your parents don't want you to do yeah. anymore, but it's back to being a little more cool, I think, because you, ha- you have to go and find it. You have to yeah. go and, and, you know, and that's like you're saying, when you, that's when you're getting more invested in it. You're having conversations with people about it and being like, oh, I need to show you this band. I need to show you yeah. this band. So and back in the day, it would have been a conversation with the parents would have been something like, hey, I got this new Frank Sinatra record and this new Herb Alpert. Yeah, yeah, but I want to listen to Elvis. What? No, you can't listen. What, who? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, get that trash out of this house. (laughs) That's the devil's music. Don't listen to that, you know. And now there's a school that teaches the devil's music, or rock and roll, as we call it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And thank God for it. And I don't don't believe that for a second, that rock and roll has anything to do with the devil's music. Because there's Christian rock, and there's a lot of uh, famous rock songs, like Carry On My Wayward Son, that was on the radio, you know, Kansas. That was a Christian song. I mean, that that was a faith-based you know lyric right there yeah absolutely and uh i i totally agree i think that we've learned as a culture now that um 
the people who are telling us rock and roll is the devil's music are the same people who said a lot of other things that you might as well not pay right. attention yeah. to. I mean, just because a guitar has a distortion doesn't mean it's it's terrible. You know, it's just a, it's a taste. It's a sound. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of the it's the same thing, honestly, as uh, um, some people who are my age. I'm in my mid 30s. And they're just like, oh, this this dubstep electronic music, it's all just farting noises. And, you know, it's like, well, that's what, you know, the parents were saying about distorted guitars back right. in the 60s. And it's funny to see that it kind of comes full circle that way. I think, you know, so when something new comes out that challenges what uh, people are used to listening to, it's always going to take a little while for some people to adjust. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, rock and roll has been around for a long time now. Um, so I think we have more than adjusted to it. And as uh, ridiculous as it is to say and think about, it's it's classical music at this point almost, which is right, yeah. which is pretty hilarious. But, you know. It's rock- in car commercials and all the stuff you hear on TV. It's, you hear these old rock songs. Yeah. And, you know, Robert Johnson was doing his stuff in the 1920s. So that's 100 years ago. He was right. he had already written every blues riff that could ever possibly exist 100 years ago. Yeah. In a hundred years before that, what was going on? It was classical music. It was yeah. still like chamber orchestras and stuff. So, so when you teach writing here, um, obviously writing, it's it's kind of coming from a personal experience. And in a lot of cases, now some people do write songs outside of their own personal experience and just to, trying to imagine what it was like to be this person or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these personal experiences, it's almost like uh, these kids are young; they're going through a lot. And this is a chance for them to get their feelings and their what what's going on in their life out through music. And um, what better way to do it than to come to the School of Rock and learn how to play an instrument and learn how to get your some lyrics out there, you know, and write a song. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's something that, you know, I wish that we did more in terms of programs. Uh, it's, you know, it's something that we more focus on with individual kids when they express an interest with it. And we do camps as well to, to get them together. But it can be tough. Uh, you know, the first step is getting them into the music and getting them into understanding that and um, understanding why it's important to them, I think. And then that natural interest in, oh, I want to be doing this for myself yeah. will follow. And in terms of like, you know, yeah, finding what subjects you're going to use for your lyrics, yeah. we'll, we'll coach them through all of that and say, you know, yeah, what you should do is bring some of yourself to the table, of course. Like, and yeah. uh, you should have songs where you're expressing what you uh, are trying to do artistically and yeah. uh, expressing what you are as an artist. But yeah. then, you know, if you want to write an entire concept album about Thor or yeah. something for some reason, you know, and, if you want to say, for God's sake, it doesn't have to rhyme. You yeah. don't have to rhyme it. It's, that's forget the rhyming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I love rhyming with my lyrics, so it's a little tougher for me to get away from that. But I definitely will encourage them to explore everything and, you know, every avenue and see see what works best for yeah. them. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal journey. Now, you started out as a a musician, right? I mean, you played guitar. You also, I know you teach and play drums and things like that, but your primary instrument was guitar. Is that right? It is. It is. Guitar is still my primary instrument. That's what I play in uh, all the bands that I am a part of at this point in time. Um, I do play bass every once in a while as well, usually when they can't find another bass player who's better at it than me to do it. But uh, yes, I've been playing uh, guitar for 
I don't know, ages at this point. It's, it's coming on 20 yeah. years. I've been doing it professionally for probably closer to 15 years and, you know, out there gigging and, mm-hmm. uh, and recording. What got um, you into the School of Rock? I mean, what was that open door for you? So uh, I was driving by the school and I had seen that the grand opening was happening soon. And I, you know, came by with my resume during the grand opening. Um, and it was cool, super cool atmosphere. I was jamming in one of the rehearsal rooms for a little bit. And I was definitely thinking, this is a place that I want to get myself involved with. Uh, I was working another job at the time, though, pretty much full time. So uh, it didn't really follow up too much until I ran into Shelly, one of the owners at a community meeting for a local music festival, funnily enough. Um, and I approached her and said, Hey, you know, uh, nice to meet you. I'd brought in a resume. I'd love to come in for an interview if you're still looking for somebody to teach guitar. Uh, and she had me come by and that was pretty much it. It was a pretty easy job interview. Uh, she yeah. and her husband, who's uh, unfortunately passed, uh, Henry, who was the other person who started the business with her, uh, had me in for an interview. And uh, like I said, pretty much they just made me play guitar. Uh, and that yeah. that was it. And they were like, okay, you're, 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 you're hired. <laughs> you can, uh, or we had a conversation and I played guitar and then that was it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, after that, uh, I got started with with teaching, and that's how I started off here. First, it was just guitar, and then um, as time went on, uh, they were made aware that there's a few other things that I could play, especially with just the beginner intermediate capacity. So yeah. I started teaching lots of other lessons. I started teaching, you know, bass and piano and beginner drums. Uh, I wouldn't let them give me many vocal students because... <laughs> that's a, that's a whole different animal unto itself. But, uh, right. yeah, I just started teaching here all the time and eventually I transitioned from my other job to here because I figured why yeah. not? I'm much enjoying myself much more than being in a hardware store. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just kept at it. And, now and you're I'm, able to play in your other bands and things like that. It doesn't hinder that at all. You can still you know, play in bands and teach here and yeah, it only helps, right? Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that was uh, actually really great about being a teacher here to start. Uh, well, and it's great about it now. Even as a general manager, it's, uh, you know, pretty flexible in terms of if I need to go for a gig, there's somebody here to support. Um, and what we want to do and the people that we really want to work with ultimately as teachers uh, are performing musicians. We have musicians who don't focus on performing as much too, who work for us, but uh, you know, having people around here who are actively gigging is important to us because we are performance based. Um, And knowing that we want those people, we have to be aware of the fact that they're going to need time off and they're going to maybe be going on tour and maybe be missing like a few weekends in a month because it's busy during the gigging season. So we're able to work around that and work with our instructors that way. And uh, we, um, as a company, that's something that is and has always been great about working here as a, yeah. as a has, big musician. Has anybody ever referred to you as Mr. Schneebly? <laughs> I have not got the Mr. Schneebly. I know I've, that's a stupid I've, question. I've got Jack Black a few times. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, but I have not, I have not got Mr. the Schneebly. S. Yes. Uh, my daughter and I, we watched that movie so many times. We love that. I could almost recite every line in that movie because her and I 
together would, when she was little, we would watch that movie a lot. You know, that was one of the movies we both enjoyed together. Yeah, it's a fantastic film, and still to this day, it brings people through the door. People yeah. watch the movie when it's on TV, and uh, you know, they they see School of Rock when they Google a local music school, and they're like, "Oh, that okay? Like we're gonna we're gonna go check like it out." Like the movie, okay, yeah, exactly. Right. And I feel like we got a pretty cool atmosphere here. So when they come in, they realize pretty quickly that it's not your average music school that you're going to find anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you also, uh, I read somewhere that it, it's, um, you have adults in here too, that if they want to join, come in and learn how to play guitar or something like that, you have an adult program as well. Yeah. Uh, I've been running the adult program for, for the last uh, little while in terms of just being the, the main coordinator of it. Um, I have another gentleman, Michael White, who's helping me out now, who's a fantastic musician. He's part of a, a very popular Led Zeppelin uh, tribute band called wow. uh, Michael White and the White. Uh, so he's been helping me out. And yeah, it's it's great to get adults in here too and give them the same opportunity. Uh, we have a drummer who just joined the adult program and she's been drumming for, I think, six months. She started yeah. here for less than six months ago and uh, she was having a great time with it. And, you know, she's doing really well for somebody who's been playing for for that amount of time. So like, come on out, you know, come check it out. And yeah. she's joined and she's having the time of her life. She's, uh, you know, uh, so excited for, for the upcoming performance, even though it's still a couple months away. She's yeah. already talking about like, I'm going to have so many people there. They're going to have signs in oh, the audience. Gonna We're going to so have great. t-shirts. Like, it's that's amazing. so inspiring. Yeah, it's 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 super cool to give adults that opportunity too. And I even say sometimes, um, you know, it's equally as important as giving the kids that opportunity because you're doing something for somebody that uh, they sometimes don't think is possible, right? But when you're a kid, especially if you have people encouraging you, your your possibilities are are infinite almost. Like yeah. you feel like right. you, you can do anything, especially if you have that base of encouragement. But as an adult, we get a little jaded and you're like, yeah. uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or I don't know if I'm going to have the time or yeah. you know, there's a lot of doubts that will creep sort in. Sort of obscured by experience and your normal everyday life, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And also we'll, we, we give you know, people who used to perform, like maybe you were in a band in like your twenties and then you, you dropped off because you had a couple kids and you're focusing on everything else in life. Now you're in your fifties and we'll give them a chance to perform again. And that yeah. also is fantastic because those people, you know, they have a context of what it meant for them because they got to do it. And now they're getting to relive that they're getting to revisit it which is which is huge and it's super cool to to be able to facilitate that as well uh cuz you know the kids are getting into it for the first time and they're just they're just getting to experience it all as a first experience instead of you know getting to relive something again yeah. which was so you know important. I would think especially for an adult uh having a band experience like band band experience like concert band and then coming here and this is a totally different animal this is like hey we're playing like real instruments guitars and drums and stuff they didn't teach you in band you know this is a lot more fun kind of thing not to say that band concert band is not fun I'm just saying that that someone that grew up from being in band in school and now this is a totally different deal yeah, absolutely. Like you said, performance based. And yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a different atmosphere, and I think it's something cool to to provide for those people as well. Anyone who has any form of a musical background, you know, for them to whether it's more classical or or wherever they started, to give them this opportunity and to, like you said, just give them the chance to perform, get on stage, and play for other people. It is really really cool to uh, to see them. Yeah 
blossom. Go with it, yeah. yeah. Uh, one question I had was, um, so I'm trying to imagine a student going here, and you have to practice, and they may not have a drum kit at home or, or a guitar uh, amp or something like that. They, what's the practice situation here? Do they have to book time? Do they just come in and practice when they want? or? They really are just here for rehearsal time and lesson time. Uh, if we do have room, if a student comes by and we've got an open lesson room, they're like, hey, can I take 45 minutes before my lesson or my rehearsal to practice? Or if they come in on an off day and they're just like, hey, you know, if you've got a free room, I'd love to use it, then we can, of course, do that for them. You know, uh, we wow. want this to be like I was saying earlier, a, a community-based place. We want them to feel like this is somewhere that they can always come, that they can always feel safe, and that they can always express themselves musically. So yeah. uh, it's definitely something that we have for them if we can make it available. Yeah. We're getting pretty busy. We're at the point where we, every single lesson room we have is basically in use most day or half the days of the week yeah. throughout the entire time that we're open, which is an amazing problem to have, but limits us in terms of providing space for students that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we are really good about encouraging at-home practice between, you know, the band program being extra motivation and having great instructors who are good at getting the best out of kids with uh, with their practice habits. And at this point, uh, School of Rock has our own method, our own curriculum, which has five levels of theory book for all the instruments we teach. And we have a software application that we can use to send students homework to work oh, on. And they can great. actually, they can record themselves playing the exercises and send it back to the teacher so they can listen to it before the lesson, which is uh, super cool because they know the student did the homework and they can say, oh, well, you're having trouble with your timing. That's what we're going to work on today. Wow. Um, I wonder if those early rock musicians from the 50s and 60s ever knew there was going to be in the future, jump to the future, there's going to be a you know, homework and there's going to be like a computer program that uh, teaches you this and Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, between between all the tools that we have, I think we're we're doing a great job of, uh, yeah, keeping these kids motivated for their practice at home so that they can yeah. come prepared and uh, just giving them a feeling that they're really achieving something in between their progress that they're making on their instrument and the progress that they're making with the group. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool to see parents and students get to watch these bands on stage especially when we have a beginner musician who had just started and their parents like my kid just started playing guitar three months ago and now they're on stage at the opera house and they're you know they're playing guitar what is happening like you people are sorcerers like how yeah. how have you done this yeah really I love it when um, a parent would say this and I've heard stories like this because uh, one of our promotional guys from BNA records RCA BNA records Tom Baldrica he had a school of rock. He opened up a school of rock, I think in Phoenix or somewhere. And he said that he would get, e he saved a lot of emails from parents that said something like, uh, you know, my child was, uh, had trouble reading and trouble expressing himself. And now ever since he went to the school of rock, he's totally opened up his shell. He's, he's, he's a totally different kid now. Yeah. That's, uh, one of the other things about this business uh, and just about like getting people involved in music in general is, how much it can do for opening doors that way for shy people, for people who have some kind of learning disability, for people who, you know, don't feel uh, confident for whatever reason, um, especially performing, not just playing music, uh, but performing music. It just 
it's insane to see what it can do for people like that. And there's been so many stories, like it's, it's endless the amount of stories I could tell you. But um, yeah, we've, uh, I've had students who have like a severe learning disability and they're on the autism spectrum and it's very difficult for them to socialize yeah. and uh, they'll be coming here um, there's one student I'm thinking of specifically, I won't name names, we'll keep names out of things, sure. but he was coming here for vocal lessons, he was taking vocal lessons for a few years, and very difficult for him to socialize, but we kept on gently suggesting to him that he try it out, and even when he kept on insisting that it was absolutely not going to happen, you know, there was no way we were going to talk him into joining a band and getting on stage or any of this. That's not going to not going to happen. But we kept at it. And eventually he came back and he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to give it a go. And he was outstanding to watch on stage. He like opened up as a performer. He was one of the best front people on stage that day. Is like, that right? He was, a, you know, they're kids. So oh, some of our yeah. some of our vocalists will sort of we try and coach them to, you know, take the mic off the stand get around the stage, go interact with the other musicians, interact with the crowd, but they're young. So some of them just kind of put their hands in their pockets or by their sides and they sing sing their songs. But no, uh, this guy was killing it. And it was uh, mind blowing and so amazingly gratifying to see. And I remember talking to his dad at that performance and uh, I was like, I, can you believe what you're seeing? Because I can't. And he, he was like, I, this is one of the most amazing things that has ever happened to him. And yeah, the, the stories just, uh, you know, mount up like that with yeah. the with the 10 years that we've been here but i never get tired of hearing them go i never that is so great never get tired at all i had a mom this week or last week tell me her son was playing guitar for two three years before he came here and he was just kind of doing it because it was something you know it was just another activity basically yeah, right uh but he came here and since he's been in the band programs now he's talking about music all the time with his friends he's showing his parents music he's like totally into it and he he is a guitar player now he used to be just a kid who who played guitar and now he's a guitar player and he wow. tells people like yeah. i'm a guitar player this is what he i owns do it. he's owning it now yeah. yeah yeah that is so awesome his to declare yourself something like that to where you feel like uh, I'm really somebody now. I am a, you uh, put a, a label, not a label. What am I trying to say? You, you're, you're declaring yourself as something like a professional. Yeah, absolutely. To that. And uh, it's important for me too, because I, uh, when I was younger, didn't really have an easy time as a musician just because I didn't have a community of support. I don't have any musicians in my family. I didn't really have any friends that I had uh, or a lot of them who did music with me were friends who I convinced to like, you should play drums and you should play bass and let's start a band. Uh, And I went to college for recording because I didn't even, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll, you know, perform at some point or I'll play in bands or, but I don't know if that's the thing for me. Uh, But the more I started working with people and the more I got myself out there, uh, you know, and and met people who encouraged me I realized oh no this is this is what's for me this is the thing that I need to do I need to be yeah. on stage I need to be playing guitar I need to be working with bands and uh for us to be able to provide that to these kids who were in the position I was they don't have any telling them like no you can do this you can go for it like you've got everything you need that's another huge thing for me too is just being able to provide that for yeah. 
for these kids when I didn't have it and just telling them like, no, you can do it. Like you can join, you're in a band already here. You can go start a band somewhere else. Like there's nothing yeah. stopping you. There's so much talent out there. It's amazing. These, these kids, these days, uh, the, the things that you see on TikTok and, uh, YouTube and all that, just these young kids, just like killing it with this talent. I like, where are these people coming from and how did they learn this? You know? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of natural talent out there. Don't you love it when you see that, when you see somebody that's you develop sort of a natural, feeling and you just keep furthering it along and absolutely absolutely it's uh it's always a special thing to uh to see a student come through the doors who uh you can tell right away is someone who is just really kind of gonna get it like you don't yeah. uh and I'm jealous of those people <laughs> uh, right. because still I feel like I had a lot more of a of a slog to get to where I am and I yeah I'll see some kids who it's just like it's it's insane they're also very hard working you know the ones who ultimately get there are the ones who are putting in the time at home yeah, of course yeah. the, having the natural ability for it will only take you so far yeah. but uh and you have to make it fun right i mean yeah. i practice i think too many parents make it like where okay you have to sit down here and you have to practice piano for an hour and you have to take this lesson i think you have to make it fun for them or they're just not going to want to do it yeah and that's uh the big thing uh, that we are really doing here besides just getting kids into bands and besides the whole teaching them songs to teach the musical theory thing is providing an environment that's fun and engaging and exciting and giving them a place that they want to be rather than you know I'm dragging little Jimmy to piano lessons now right. and I'm going to force him to stick with this conservatory thing <laughs> until he gets that dang grade eight certificate and then he can finally stop. Uh, yeah, we want kids coming here being like, I, I want to be here and we want to to have them leaving feeling like they achieved something and feeling like this is something that they can do and that they can enjoy not just while they're here, but for the rest of their lives. Uh, that's an important thing too. Because for me, it sucks when we have people who, uh, uh, you know, they do the whole conservatory musician thing and you spend X amount of hours and dollars on, you know, getting your kid to do conservatory piano for for this amount of time so they get this certificate and then they never want to play piano again. Right. What was the point? Yeah, they just it, it was not a fun experience for them. Mm -hmm. It was work. Mm -hmm. um, now, you mentioned uh, how you personally had studied recording and all that, and I think I read somewhere, or maybe we talked about it earlier about the School of Rock here, having a kind of like uh, some kind of tech classes or something like that do you teach recording here we've done recording programs in the past uh like the songwriting aspect of things we've more focused on it at our particular location in terms of camps uh just giving them a one week sort of crash course um but yeah it's something that we have facilities for something that we want to be able to show young musicians uh yeah. you know how to be able to do it how to be able to hook up an interface to a computer and make them talk it, which is pretty easy nowadays yeah. it used to be harder um, All right, yeah. and how to get signal into uh audio workstation has and, there been any students that have come in here that said you know i'm here to learn guitar but then all of a sudden they saw the knobs and they saw the microphone cables and they saw they just had they were just like that's what i want to do you know not so much uh, there's definitely the students who express more of an interest in it than others and who are like, can you show me that mixer? And I, you know, show yeah. me how that works. But most of them, they come in and they plug into an amplifier and they turn up the distortion very loud and, uh, they have some fun Yeah. or they come in and start smacking those tubs. That is cool. Well, uh, let's see. Um, I think I had a couple more questions here. Um, so the concerts you have at, at the end of a certain, uh, 
a period, you, you have these concerts where all the bands that you have put together here at the School of Rock put on a public performance, and those happen. How often does that happen? It's every three to four months. So uh, the way we do our sessions or seasons here, uh, the current one started in September, right around when kids went back to school, right. and is going to be going until January. So January is the next performance that we have at a venue. And then the next session runs from January until June, and then it's June until September. I see. So it's almost like a semester of school, pretty exactly. much. You know, it's like there's going to be a beginning, and then you work towards something, and then there's like the not a test, but the per- public performance would be sort of almost like a your final final exam. Yeah, exactly. If we if there is, you know, I don't like using the word exam around here. It sounds test. nasty, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, final uh, exam. Oh. Yeah, but if there is such a thing that exists here, it is the stage. The stage is the test. That's a yeah. something that the company likes to use as a tagline, and it really is true because there's so much that you will learn from performing on stage. Not even just uh, technically as a player and as a person, like you know, kind of putting yourself out there in a in a vulnerable position, but also so much that you're just going to learn in terms of like basic technical things like you have to put your guitar cable through the back of your strap because if yeah. you step on it it's going to fall out in the middle of a right. song yeah. and like uh for drummers like being able to transition between songs and understanding yeah. that oh we counting don't... it off you know learn how to count off a song That's exactly just, they don't teach that you know in band mm-hmm. um having a spare stick down there so in case you drop one or break one or something like that where is it going to come from that yep. kind of stuff yeah. absolutely knowing how to adjust the hi-hat stand on the fly if the spindle comes out in the middle of you you know performing and having to drum with one hand and try and play the same beat oh, yeah. while you're right. trying to fix something else yeah stuff they don't teach you in band mm-hmm. well man um it has been so great talking to you and, and being at the School of Rock here. This is so amazing. I've never been in. This is the first time I've ever been into a School of Rock. Well, I'm really happy that you came in today. Uh, and yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was, it was great to get a chance to chat with you and you know let you know what we do here. And um, if uh, anyone out there who's listening is interested, like uh, we were saying, there's hundreds of schools worldwide go and check out see if you've got one close to you if you're a kid if you're an adult if you're an instructor if you're somebody who's a gigging musician you're looking for work instructing and that's something you're interested in go and find a school of rock and i promise you are going to not regret it yeah uh so they can just do an internet search of school of rock in your area or is it is it an actual website for the whole thing there is both there's a website that has locations on it but most places where you are if you just google school of rock if you have a local local Location, it is going to come up as one of the first ah, hits. That's what I did when I was looking at the one here in Toronto. I just typed in School of Rock on the map program and it showed me right where it was. I mean, like as if it's a, you know, it's a prominent building and, you know, it's a thing. Our, our Google reviews have done us well. Yeah, that's awesome. And, I, and those will continue, I'm sure, because you guys continue the good work of training these kids and getting everybody in here and teaching them about rock and roll and what it, what it means to be a musician and be on stage and perform. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, keeping up with it and continuing to inspire young musicians as they come through the door. That is awesome. Well, thank you again, uh, Graham, for sitting down and talking to me and inviting me in the School of Rock here. I'm going to go jam on the drums for a little while, and uh, then you're going to have a hard time getting rid of me. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, the 13-year-old me would be hanging out here all the time. Like, from the minute you open, I'd be waiting by the door until you have to chase me out of the drum room. I might be like totally just haunting this place we've heard that from (laughs) quite a number of musicians who have come through the door it's like come on i used to actually get chased out of the 
when I, I was in band, I played trumpet, but I wanted to be a drummer before I was actually a drummer. And I got chased out of the drum room many, many times with a drum, uh, the, sorry, the drum instructor, the band director saying, uh, if you don't play drums, you're not allowed in there. And I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I can feel that. I got kicked off of playing the marimba many times. Oh, right, yeah. Because I had some piano playing experience, and uh, yeah. I, I also like drumming, so I was I was right. fascinated with it. And anytime they caught me doing it, they are like, what the heck? You're a clarinet yeah. player. Get off of that. And you're like, "What? Am, I'm not going to break it. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Graham, and um, we will see you down the road, and um, best of luck to you with the School of Rock and your many bands that you play with, and We'll see you on the big stage. Thank you very much. Thank you uh, for, like I said, thank you for having me once again. It was great to get a chance to meet with you and chat, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. This has been Keith Rainwater and Graham Unstead here at the School of Rock. This is Designated Drummer. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 